Good evening and welcome to Mining the Riches of the Parsha. Tonight is Thursday night, May 26th, 2022. Tonight's class is dedicated by Claire Stern, in memory of her husband, and Faye Stein and Sharon Stern Friedman, in memory of their father, Herschel Stern, Shmuel Tzvi ben Yechiel, Zichrona Levracha. Herschel was an amazing man. I'm proud to have been able to call him my friend and to know him for years. And um, his loss is felt. Uh, I can say from the point of view of Adath, Adath is not the same place with Herschel absent from it. So we miss him and we join with Claire and her family. And we thank you for dedicating tonight's class. May his neshama have an aliyah. <clears throat> at the very dawn of our history, at a time when Avraham, Abraham was still known as Avram before God changed his name, there was an encounter between Avram and a man called Malkitzedek. And Malkitzedek Melech Sholem. Malkitzedek was the king of a place called Sholem. And Hotzi Lechem V'yayin, he brought out bread and wine to have an encounter with Avram, Vayivarchehu, and this man, Malkitzedek, blessed Avram, Vayomer, and he said, Baruch Avram Lekel Elyon, Kone Shemayim Va'aretz. Blessed is, is Avram to God, the supreme God, the one who created and has control over heaven and earth near the very beginning of the Torah. A little bit later, we have another verse. Avram Shem HaMakom HaHu God called the name of that place Hashem Yir'eh, which means God saw and chose it. Asher Yeomer Hayom, so that even today people will say, Bahar Hashem Yeroeh. This will be the mountain where God will be seen. Those two passages form the name Yerushalayim, Jerusalem. Yireh, Yeru, Yireh, the place where God sees and is seen, which implies awe and reverence of God, and shalem, shalom, peace, wholeness, completeness, harmony. That's the first layer of our understanding of what Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, is. Later, when Yaakov was forced to leave home because his brother Esav threatened to kill him, and he leaves his family, he leaves Israel to go for 20 years to his father, who, the man who becomes his father-in-law, Lavan. On the way, he encountered the place, and he rested there that night. That is where Yaakov had the famous dream of the ladder ascending and the angels going up and down. Rashi says, where was that place? Yerushalayim. And the Torah tells us, Vayikatz, Yaakov woke up from his dream, from his sleep. 
Vayira, and he was filled with awe. Vayomer, Manoroha Makom Hazer, how awesome and reverent is this place, Yerushalayim. Ein Zeki im Beiselokim, this is the house of God, Vazeshar Hashemayim, and this is the gateway, the entrance to heaven. Our rabbis in the Midrash point out, based on these verses, Mikana Tolomed, from here we learn, Shekol Hamispalel Birushalayim, anyone who has the privilege to pray in Jerusalem, from Jerusalem, Ki'ilu Mispalel Lifnekise Hakovod, it is if they are praying, standing directly in front of God's heavenly throne. Sheshar Hashamayim hu pasuach lishmoat filasan shal Yisrael. It is the place where the gates of heaven are open in order to receive, to allow entry for all of the prayers of Israel. Shene'emar, as it says. Vzeshar Hashamayim. This place, Jerusalem, is the gateway to heaven. Later, there is yet another layer to the significance of Yerushalayim. The famous verse from Tehillim. Yerushalayim habnuya ki'ir shechurbro le'yachtov. Jerusalem is built like a city that joins everyone together. Shesham olu shvatim. That is the place where the tribes of Israel ascend and to be joined together into one group. The place where Jews gather when, when the Beis HaMikdash was standing, every Yom Tov, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkos, every Jew would ascend to Jerusalem to be united together to observe the holidays. And even today, when we do not yet have the Beis HaMikdash rebuilt, Jerusalem is the focal point for Jews all over the world, even today. The famous law, the halacha in Shulchan Aruch, when we stand to pray, wherever we are in the world, we are required to pray facing Jerusalem. For us in North America, it's toward the east. In other parts of the world, it's in other directions. One focal point for every Jew in the world says the Mishnah Brura. What does that mean? It means Yechaben Libo, a person should have the feeling in their heart. Even if for some reason a person does not have the ability to stand geographically facing towards Jerusalem, what it means is varayono, a person should imagine in their heart and in their mind, imagine themselves as if I am standing on the spot of the base of Migdash. I'm required to visualize myself as if I am standing in Jerusalem, wherever I am when I pray. Shenemar, as the verse says, we pray to God, Derech 
Ha'ir Asher Bacharta, through, via the city that you, God, have chosen. Prayer in Jerusalem and those of us who have experienced this know this first time, firsthand. Prayer in Jerusalem is unlike any other prayer. So much so that even if we're not there, just visualizing ourselves as if we are standing there elevates our prayer and makes it into vayivka, a pagia, as Yaakov experienced, an encounter. Jerusalem is where we encounter God, where we see and sense and are seen by God. And this is what we recognize and celebrate this Sunday, the 28th day of Iyar, Yom Yerushalayim, the anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem that occurred in 1967. This day in 1967 brought all of these layers of meaning and significance into palpable reach. No longer just a dream, but palpable in our hands. And this date caused a change in halacha, a change in Jewish law. Another passage in Shulchan Aruch, the Code of Jewish Law, written by Rabbi Yosef Cairo in the 1500s. Haroa Yerushalayim b'chorbana, one who sees Jerusalem in its destroyed state, meaning until the Beis Hamikdash is rebuilt. A person who sees that should say, the Beis Hamikdash, the Holy Temple in Jerusalem, which was our beauty and our glory, the place of the greatest holiness on earth has been destroyed by fire and all of the beauty has been destroyed. The Korea. And when we see Jerusalem, when we see the place of the Beis Hamikdash, we tear Kriya because we are in mourning. We tear our garment. And the Magan Avram as well as other commentators to the Shulchan Aruch writes, even if Jews are living in Jerusalem, even if there are Jews there, as long as the control of Jerusalem is in the hands of non-Jewish nations, it's called destroyed. Even if Jews are there, even if there are sizable Jewish communities, it's still called destroyed because the control over Jerusalem is no longer in our hands. In 1967, when there was the famous call, Har Habayit Biyadenu, the Temple Mount is again in our hands. When those historic words were uttered, Rabbi Tzvi Yehuda HaKohen Cook, 
and other great halakhic authorities ruled that there is no longer an obligation to tear Kriya because hakotel biyadenu, it's now in our control. And that changes not only the philosophical way that we look at it, but the technical, religious, liturgical way that we look at it. And when we go to Jerusalem today, when we go to the place of the Beis Amigdash today, we no longer, not everyone follows this opinion. It happens to be my opinion. And there are many, many great halakhic authorities. I'm not in that category. Many great halakhic authorities that support this, that after 1967, we do not tear Kriya when we go to that place. Yom Yerushalayim is the anniversary of the transformation from tearing Kriya and mourning and crying to saying Shehechiyanu. Thank you, God, for allowing me to reach this moment in my life when I have the joy and the elevation to be again in Jerusalem in your presence, God. <clears throat> Listen to how it was reported in the New York Times when it happened in 1967. The New York Times reported, never in the long history of the ancient shrine, the Kotel, have so many unbelievers responded with such gratitude and fervor. From Satmar to secular, Jews were happy. The military victory of the Six-Day War, startling in its speed and efficiency, is not as impressive as the spirit. With the old city of Jerusalem back in their control, Israelis are not only a nation, but a family. This is the miracle of Jerusalem from the New York Times. <clears throat> One of my favorite places in the world, a place that I love not only to visit, but to sit down and just to sit and watch, is a place called Churva Square. You may be familiar with it. It is an open plaza area in the Jewish quarter of the old city of Yerushalayim. And it's an open space. It's kind of a crossroads. If you're going to the Jewish quarter, if you're going to the Kotel, it's surrounded by restaurants and shops. And people are walking back and forth, all sorts of people, Jewish, non-Jewish, old, young, religious, non-religious, Men, women, children, people from all over the world. You see people on tours going to visit the sites. You see people going to the restaurants. You see people on their way to the hotel to pray. And you see people who live there, who are just going about their daily lives. It is one of my favorite places in the world just to sit on the edge of this plaza and just to sit and watch. And I want to explain why. There's a famous passage in the prophet Yermio, Jeremiah, the prophet Yermio, Yermio Anavi. 
Call Omar Hashem. This is what God says. Od Yishama Bamakom Hazeh. It will again be heard in this place, the place that is now, people say, destroyed, and there are no people. In the cities of Judah and the courtyards of Jerusalem, which are destroyed, which have no inhabitants, but it will again happen that we will hear the sound of joy, the sound of gladness, the sound of the celebrating of the groom, the sound of the celebrating of the bride. Sounds familiar, right? But listen to the end of this passage. Call Omrim the sound of those who say, Praised is God, the Lord of hosts. And let us bring an offering in the base Hamigdash, which is rebuilt as the entire Jewish people are gathered into Israel once more. The sound of joy and the sound of gladness as offerings are offered in the Beit HaMikdash, which will be rebuilt speedily. The first part, I hope you recognize from a Jewish wedding. It is part of one of the Sheva Brachot, the seven blessings, the seventh of the seven blessings. But the ending is different. In Yermio, the original, we are told, the prophet tells us that God promises us that there will again be heard the sound of joy and gladness when we are able to offer sacrifices and offerings in the rebuilt Beit HaMikdash. In our Sheva Brachot, at a wedding, we start off similarly shall be heard in the cities of Judah and the courtyards of Jerusalem. The sound of joy and gladness and the bride and the groom and the bride. The joyous sounds of the bridegrooms from their wedding canopy. And the young people who are celebrating with their feasts with song and gladness. Interesting switch. Interesting switch from looking forward to Yirmiyahu's vision of being able to offer sacrifices in a rebuilt Beit HaMikdash to our version at a wedding of looking forward to having weddings and having parties and having feasts and singing. Why did the rabbis, when they wrote the text of this bracha for a wedding, why did they change the text of just the last part of it? And why this change? Why would you make a change from a holy subject of sacrifices and offerings and a Beit HaMikdash to what sounds kind of like frivolous things? You're going to hear sounds of joy because people are having a party and they're singing and they're laughing and they're having a good time. Okay, but I mean, it's, it's a little, compared to, to the spirituality of the sacrifices, it seems a little frivolous. Why would our rabbis have changed specifically this text? 
Rabbi Yehuda Amital, writes that this text was written specifically to address our experience. We, you and I, today, where we're in an in-between status. You know, every Shabbos we say the prayer and we refer to our times as Reishis Tzmichas Ulasenu, the beginning of the sprouting of the redemption. We're in the process. We're not there yet completely. The base Amigdash is not rebuilt, but we're not nowhere. We're not in exile. We have beautiful, flourishing communities in Jerusalem and all over Israel. We are in control of Jerusalem. We're in between. We've achieved a great deal, but not everything. Says Rav Amital, the men of the great assembly, the rabbis who wrote this blessing, therefore changed the formulation of the blessing in order to arouse hope and to make people realize the significance of such an in-between situ situation that we should recognize we're not at the starting point. We're not at the beginning. We are in the process of redemption and we have to celebrate what we have reached. We haven't reached the whole thing. We still have a way to go, but we have achieved a certain level that we can celebrate. What can we celebrate? Well, we can't celebrate offering sacrifices in the base of Migdash, but we can celebrate the resumption of normal life in Jerusalem. We can celebrate that people are getting married in Jerusalem, that there is singing and dancing and celebrating and taking walks and getting pizza and sitting down and watching people and going to pray and reading the newspaper, and everything else that goes along with normal life. We have achieved that. And our rabbis wanted to expressly address us in our generation so that we would understand that we are in the process of redemption. That's what I see when I sit in Chorva Square. I see every type of human being in the world, every religion, every culture, every language, every type of Jewish person, every language, every background, every country of origin, and they're passing through, they're going back and forth, and they're doing normal life. They're shopping, they're buying pizza, maybe a burger, they're going to Davin, they're visiting the sites, they're going home, they're buying groceries. They're taking a walk. They're watching other people like I am. That's Churva Square. And that is what Yom Yerushalayim celebrates. Achieving this level that our rabbis understood is so important for us to recognize we are in the process of redemption. Celebrate it. Allow me to go one step further. About five years ago, <clears throat> my oldest niece in Israel was married. And Marcy and I had the tremendous privilege to attend the wedding in Yerushalayim. And there was a Sheva Brachos, a party just after the wedding, celebrating the wedding, celebrating the couple. And I had the opportunity to speak at that occasion. And I said that this wedding was the first 
Whitman wedding in Israel in at least 2,000 years. The first time a Whitman has gotten married in Israel in probably over 2,000 years. And for the last 2,000 years, at every wedding, we say this blessing, which is, now we understand, a paraphrase of the passage of Yirmiyoh Hanavi, the prophet Jeremiah. And we say, Mehera Hashem Elokeinu, quickly God, speedily God, it should be heard in the cities of Judah and the courtyards of Jerusalem, the sound of joy, the sound of gladness, the sound of the groom, the sound of the bride, speedily, quickly, Mehera. For 2,000 years, what did Mehera mean? Quickly, speedily. For 2,000 years, Mehera mean it was a, meant it was a hope. It was a fairy tale. Yes, soon, we hope. Yes, who knows? It was a fairy tale. And I said, tonight, the word has a different meaning. Mehera quickly now means as soon as I finish talking, as soon as I finish these words and we're going to start singing, that will be the sound of joy and gladness and the sound of the bride and the groom celebrating. Mehera quickly, meaning, Michael, sit down already, finish. Be, uh, and, and, and then we have it. And then it's fulfilled. It's a radically different understanding of the word, Mehera, right now. Sit down and we'll sing and we'll have it right now. We have it today. We have it. And Yom Yerushalayim, this Sunday, is the day to focus on that and to be grateful for that and to take some time this Sunday to think about Jerusalem. And if you have had the experience to think about your most moving moments most beautiful memories that you have from Jerusalem, that I have from Yerushalayim. And to tell God, thank you for normal life in Jerusalem today. <clears throat> I'd like to return to what I related earlier the halacha, the rule in Shulchan Aruch, the code of Jewish law, that when we stand to pray, wherever we are in the world, we're required to face Jerusalem. And as the Mishnah and others explain, it doesn't just mean to physically, geographically face Jerusalem, it means visualization. We should imagine in our minds that we see ourselves standing in Jerusalem when we pray. And this is essential. This is an essential aspect of prayer. Meaning, if we do not do this, if we do not engage in this visualization technique when we pray, then we have not completely fulfilled our obligation. Every time we pray, in order for our prayers to be accepted as ideal prayers, 
we must imagine ourselves in Jerusalem. Why? Why go through this visualization technique? Why is this so important? Allow me to share with you, please, an answer that's provided by Rav Chaim Volozhin, great scholar of the mid, early to mid-1800s. We'll start with another pasuk, another verse that you may recognize because it is from our high holiday Musaf prayers. Another passage from the prophet Yermio, Yermio Anavi, the prophet Jeremiah, where the prophet says, Go forth and call out in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, This is what God says. God says, I remember you, the Jewish people, the kindness of your youth. The love of your betrothal. You followed after me into the desert. God says, you, the Jewish people, you followed me into the desert, a place that was desolate, but you followed me on the way to Israel. Let me ask two questions. Number one, go and call out into the ears of Jerusalem. Jerusalem has ears? What does that mean? Jerusalem. It's a city. What do you mean it has ears? And number two, Jerusalem traveled through the desert? Go and call out into the ears of Jerusalem. I remember when you traveled through the desert with me, God says. When did Jerusalem? Jerusalem's in Israel. There were people that traveled through the desert. The city didn't travel through the desert. The city was where it was for all times. From the time of Malkitzedek, it's in the same place. It never moved. What do you mean Jerusalem traveled, followed God into the desert? So I want to share with you Reb Chaim Volazhin's explanation, which is a yesod. It is a fundamental principle. He says, Yerushalayim is Klal Yisrael, the Jewish people, capital J, capital P. Sod makar knisas nishmoseim shall call Yisrael. Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, is the secret of the source of the gathered together souls of all of Israel. The reason we have to visualize ourselves in Yerushalayim when we approach God is because that is how we approach God as Klal Yisrael, as the Jewish people gathered together, not as individuals. We've spoken about this in the past. And that's what Yerushalayim is. Yerushalayim is, yes, it is a city. Yes, there are buildings and streets and traffic jams and pizza and hamburgers and everything else. Falafel, yes. But Yerushalayim is also identified with the entirety of the Jewish people. The soul of the Jewish people is Jerusalem. Another verse, this time from the prophet Isaiah, Yeshayahu Anavi. Al Chomoseich Yerushalayim Hifkaradi Shomrim. On your walls, Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. Shomrei Yerushalayim, the watchers of Jerusalem, the protectors of Jerusalem. Who are the Shomrei Yerushalayim? Who are the protectors of Jerusalem? 
Well, of course, Shomei Yerushalayim are the brave soldiers we remember this Sunday on Yom Yerushalayim who fought so valiantly and to be and and said the words Hakotel biyadenu, the temple is again in our hands. Jerusalem is reunified again. And of course, those brave men and women who gave their lives in that battle so that we would have Yerushalayim. Of course, they are Shomrei Yerushalayim, the guardians and protectors of Jerusalem. And of course, brave men and women today who continue to defend and protect Jerusalem and all of Israel. They are Shomrei Yerushalayim, our heroes. They protect Jerusalem. They guard Jerusalem. And of course, the loyal and committed residents of Israel who sacrifice so much but don't even look at it as a sacrifice for the privilege to being able to live in Israel, especially in Yerushalayim. They are Shomrei Yerushalayim, guardians and protectors of Jerusalem, every single one of them. But there's another group. Listen, please, to the words of Radak, one of the famous classic commentators on the Torah. The Radak says, Who are the Shomrei Yerushalayim, the guardians and protectors of Jerusalem? I'll call Yisrael Begalusam. Every single Jew anywhere in the world throughout the diaspora. That means you and me. We can be Shomrei Yerushalayim. We can be guardians of Jerusalem. Shehem Shomrim Vitsofim Tamid Binyan Yerushalayim. They, we, hopefully, every one of us, are guarding and hoping for and anticipating continually the complete rebuilding of Jerusalem, including the Beit HaMikdash. Umazkirim Bone Yerushalayim Biyom And they, we, you and I, we say the words in our prayers every day and every night. Bonei Yerushalayim, we ask God to rebuild Jerusalem completely. And we mention it, Bitfilo Sehim, Sehim, in every one of our prayers and every one of our blessings. Those two are Shomrei Yerushalayim. And I want to tell you this. God will ask every single one of us, you and me, were you a Shomer Yerushalayim? Michael Whitman, were you a Shomer Yerushalayim? Did you guard and protect Jerusalem? Did you pray for it? Did you mention it every day and every night that it should be rebuilt? Did you anticipate it? Did you care about it? Did you shed tears? Did you celebrate each step of its rebuilding? What will we say? What will you answer? When God asks you that question, what will I answer when God asks me that question? When we commemorate Yom Yerushalayim and this Sunday when we say Hallel, songs of praise, thanking God this Sunday morning during our Shachris service, we should realize the significance of Jerusalem. Yerushalayim is us. We are Jerusalem. 
Yerushalayim is our collective soul. Yerushalayim is where we meet God. No matter where we are in the world. Yaakov, our patriarch Jacob, had been away from Israel for over 20 years. By this time, he has a wife and children, flocks. Vayomer Hashem al Yaakov, God spoke to Yaakov, Shuv el Eretz avosecho moladetetecha. Return, Yaakov, it's time to come home. It's time to go back to Israel. It's time to come back to the place of your family. It's time to come back to the place of your birth. The Eye imach, and God says to Yaakov, I will be with you. Listen, please, to how our rabbis interpret that phrase. I will be with you. Our rabbis say, this is what God actually said to Yaakov. Avicha, your father, mitzapelach. He's waiting for you in Israel. Imcha, mitzapelach. Your mother, is waiting for you. Ani ba'atzmi mitzapelach. And God says, I, myself, I am waiting for you in Israel. I, God, am waiting for you and me in Jerusalem. My friends, I want to wish you a great evening and a beautiful Shabbos and a joyous Yom Yerushalayim on Sunday. And I look forward to seeing you soon in person.